This episode is supported by Earn In. Life doesn't happen bi-weekly, so why should payday? The money you earn now can be in your hands today with Earn In. Earn In is an app that gives you access to your pay as you work, up to $100 per day or up to $750 per pay period. Super, super easy to use. You just download the Earn In app and verify your paycheck. Then you can access up to $100 a day as you work and leave an optional tip. So the app is free. You can leave a tip if you want. Any money you access plus tips are automatically repaid from your next paycheck. So here's the thing. Sometimes getting close to your next paycheck, next pay period, and you realize, oh gosh, like paycheck doesn't come until next Friday, but we have this event that we need to attend this weekend and we need money for it. Or we have to buy a gift for someone. Or, oh my gosh, like my kid tore through their shoes and now we have to buy new shoes this weekend and the money's not in the bank yet. So Earning can help you access the money you've already earned at work by giving you this little bit of money in advance. So make Earnin part of your financial routine and join Earnin's over three and a half million customers who say things like, when I think about Earnin, I think about financial stability and security, and it gives me a lot of peace of mind. So for our listeners, all you need to do is download Earn In today. It's spelled E-A-R-N-I-N, and you can download it in Google Play or the Apple App Store. When you download the Earn In app, type in Shameless Mom under podcast when you sign up. So there'll be a little place where you can, where it says, what podcast did you hear about them on? Type in Shameless Mom under podcast. This helps to show support for our show and our advertisers. Earn In is a financial technology company, not a bank, and subject to your available earnings, daily max, pay period max, and location. See earnin.com slash TOS for details. Bank products are issued by Evolve Bank and Trust member FDIC. This is the Shameless Mom Academy episode 581 with Jessica Frew. Show notes for this episode, including any links mentioned in the episode, can be found by going to shamelessmom.com and clicking on episode 581. Welcome to the Shameless Mom Academy. I'm your host, Sarah Dean. I'm here to give you and other passionate, driven, unapologetic moms tools, resources, and a little bit of humor to help you lead more positive, powerful, and purposeful lives every damn day. One of the best things about the Shameless Mom Academy is our community, so be sure to join us in our free private Facebook group to connect with other shameless moms just like you. You can find us over at shamelessmom.com forward slash Facebook. All right, let's dive into today's episode. Jessica Frew is a wife, ex-wife, mom, stepmom, and bold action taker. She has a successful podcast called Husband-in-Law that she records with her husband, Matt, and her ex-husband, Steve. Together, they are sharing their stories of love, marriage, coming out, divorce, remarriage, and co-parenting to help others know they are not alone. They also co-own The Bold Logic a company devoted to helping people go from living an I should mindset to taking bold action toward keeping and reclaiming their sense of self. Jessica is a firm believer that by knowing and understanding what it is you really want in life, you can boldly create a life you love no matter what your circumstances. Jessica and I connected over Instagram through following each other's work, and she's such a great engager on Instagram. So she and I have connected in that way as she's commented on things and DM'd me about things, and we've had little conversations here and there. But then I heard her on my dear friend Laura Cathcart Robbins' podcast, The Only One in the Room, and oh my goodness, their conversation blew me away. 
And I knew I was like, I need to have Jessica on our show. I reached out to her. She said, yes. And here we are. I'm so excited to have her here. I think that you're going to learn so much today. And I think there's just so many things that you're going to appreciate about what Jessica has to share. So listen in to hear Jessica share the process of finding out her husband was gay a year and a half into their marriage how she, her ex-husband, and her current husband have owned and shared their stories in a way that helps other couples, what a mixed orientation marriage is and how it works different for different couples, the disservice we do to our children when we hold a narrow view of what marriage and family can look like, what it's like to be a member of the Mormon church and have a family that looks drastically different from a typical Mormon family, how she knew when to follow her intuition versus letting her ego go, how she navigated the hardest early years of her second marriage and the truth about hard seasons in marriages, the importance of healthy boundaries that bring others in, not just setting boundaries as defensive armor, and how she listens to herself when things don't go as planned, as well as the specific questions she asks herself in times of turmoil. This conversation was powerful and informative and high energy. I know that you're going to enjoy it. I can't wait to dig in. So with all that said, let's welcome Jessica Fru to the Shameless Mom Academy. Jessica, welcome to the Shameless Mom Academy. I'm so happy to have you here. Thank you. I am happy to be here too. I love your podcast. Oh, thank you. I have to tell people how I found you, which is kind of a two-parter. <laughs> First of all, you get like a engaging on Instagram trophy because you comment on things and engage in conversations. And I just so appreciate that. And I always love your comments. We're well aligned <laughs> on <our> comments <laughs> and beliefs, which is really fun. And then you were recently on the only one in the room with my good friend, Laura Cathcart Robbins. And I heard that interview and I was like, I am snagging her. Like, I know she comments on all my Instagram (laughs) stuff. I want her on my show. So here we are. Awesome. I love it. I love how the interwebs bring people together. Yes. I mean, sometimes it's a disaster and sometimes it's an absolute magical miracle. (laughs) (laughs) That is very true. It does go one way or the other. (laughs) Yeah. So we're here for the magical miracle part of it today. (laughs) That's right. (laughs) Yes. So tell us a little bit about yourself beyond your bio and kind of what's going on in your personal and professional life right now. And what are you most excited about? Yeah. So, I mean, I'm a mom to one and a stepmom to two. I was married to my first husband for seven years. He and I were both raised in a very conservative Christian community religion. And he came to terms with the fact he was gay about a year and a half into our marriage. We decided to stay married for a while longer, obviously, and brought a daughter into the world. And then when she was about two and seven years into our marriage, we decided it was time to like take our separate ways to get divorced. And he really, at that point, wanted to explore this other side of him that he had never explored and be true and authentic to who he was born to be. And so we divorced. And in that, I told him, I said, that's fine. We can get divorced. I knew you were gay. I knew this was a possibility for our life, but I want to be friends. And I want to you know, create a relationship that when our daughter has the big events in her life, I always say graduation and getting married. And, but then I've thought about it. I'm like, whatever it looks like for her, whatever her life presents those moments that she wants her parents there. I want it to be about her and her not to be worried about having her parents in the same room. And so we have really fought to make that a reality. And when I got remarried, I very much, you know, my now husband was very aware of the fact that would be kind of how our life would look that 
Steve, my ex-husband would be a part of our life, that he's important to me. I love him. He's valued. And so I'm grateful that I married somebody who is very okay with that. And it took some figuring out. We had some bumps and hiccups along the way and occasionally still do, but we're in a really good place. And today we actually, the three of co-host a podcast together. So my ex-husband, my husband and I have a podcast called Husband Law, where we share our stories of love, marriage, divorce, coming out, all of the things. And we also are starting, like we have a business side of that, of course, where we are trying to create products to help people love each other better and to love themselves better. And so we have like a greeting card line that's coming out that's for exes and co-parents. We have coloring books to help start conversations around LBGTQ issues and all of the things. So kind of where I'm at, that's who I am. That's what I do. I'm a mom and stepmom, a wife, ex-wife, and a bold action taker. Oh my gosh. That's like the perfect period to that, a bold action taker. Cause that's exactly what you just described as a bold action taker. I love everything that you just said. I think it's really incredible. <laughs> I mean, talking about like, you know, magical and miracles and all this, I think it's so incredible that you would take something that many people would identify as probably the hardest thing in their life or one of their hardest life events. And maybe you would classify that for you as well and turn it into this incredible thing that you can share with the world and create gifts for the world that can help other people go through the same thing and make like help them work through their trauma so that they don't have to stay stuck in things that are really, really hard and might feel hopeless at times. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, there were, I always, when I tell our story, I'm like, I don't want people to think that this was seamless or that it wasn't hard. It was, but now I'm in a place where I opportunity to take my hard things and help others along the way, which I think is so amazing and something I've always wanted to do. I knew shortly after my daughter was born, I wouldn't have more kids. And so I was like, all right, I need to reframe what I want to do with my life. And this was one of those things is I wanted to share and help others along the way. Really, really powerful. I want to go back to some pieces of your story. So you found out a year and a half into your marriage that your husband was gay and you decided to stay together. I'm curious So when you made that decision to stay together, did you make the decision? Were you thinking like, we're just going to stay together and this will be fine. Or was it, were you thinking like, we're just going to see how this will go. And was, did you have a lot of uncertainty around it? You know, I am forever the optimist and maybe to a fault sometimes, but I honestly just felt like, you know, we are happy. We are content. We find joy in our relationship. The things that I really wanted in a relationship were all there. And so I, Just kind of assumed we'd, but very much just at that point, feeling we both wanted the same things. And so there was no point at that moment to end our relationship. There was nothing keeping us from continuing forward in our opinion and in Mm -hmm. our view. And so we did continue forward and I hoped, you know, we could make it last, that it was something that would last, you know, as when you get married, ideally you're staying married. And that was our goal and our intention. And obviously we accepted and understood why our marriage ended. Like it wasn't, it was shocking and it was hard, even though Mm -hmm. we knew it was a possibility, but also wasn't as personal, I think, as divorces are. It didn't feel like an attack on me or on the love we felt for each other. It just felt like what we needed to do to murder. So I heard you talk on Laura's podcast on the only one in the room, you referenced mixed orientation marriage. And 
all of a sudden I was it was like a light bulb went off. I was like, oh my gosh, there's a definition for this that I've never heard. And like my vocabulary is expanding on what is possible and the way people live and all this. So I got really excited to ask you, can you explain what a mixed orientation marriage is? And then kind of thoughts around that. Cause my guess based on the assumptions I'm making about it are that some people, there's probably a lot of thoughts around like, is that possible? And can it work? And so tell us all the things about that. Yeah. So mixed orientation marriage is when two people are married who have sexual differences. Mm. So, or different sexual orientations. So in my case, my husband was gay. He's attracted to men. He's not bisexual and I am straight. And so it can look different, obviously for all of the different situations out there and definitions, but for us, that's how it looked. And mixed orientation marriages, I've heard of mixed orientation marriages that work, that are wonderful. And I mean, and honestly, I always feel like my marriage worked. Steve and I Mm. were very happy. People always like to ask, well, what about the sex? We had a great sex life. Mm. And I think that's partially because we were so connected emotionally. There was Mm. a very deep, strong emotional connection that allowed us to transfer that over to a physical connection. But Yeah. I mean, they work for lots of people in our case, obviously it didn't continue on and, but I do believe they can work. I appreciate that explanation. I think that's really important. And I think that that person like expansive perspective of marriage is really important and Mm -hmm. it's so much more dynamic than we think. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, Um, And I think that's really important to recognize and really important to honor. I mean, I think that you just gave such a great example of how it worked for you and what that connection looked like and how it worked and how you felt like full of hope and potential and possibility around how this could work moving forward because it does work for some people. Yeah. And the longer you're married and the more people who, you know, who've been married for a long time, the more you're like, oh, this can look like a lot of different things. (laughs) I mean, it can look like a lot of different things for a lot of different people, which is very different than when you're like 22 and you think it's like, yeah, can only look like one thing. Yeah. You have this hard and fast vision of what your life should look like, what your marriage should look like, what raising kids is going to look like. And it's just not that way. And Mm. I honestly feel like that's a disservice we do to our children, to our teens is that, and I think some of that's going away where we're being more open and sharing more of the differences in marriage and relationships and raising kids so that they have a more broadened view of what the possibilities are for their lives. Exactly. I also think, and I even like one step beyond that is like the narrow view of what marriage looks like. And then a narrow view of what family looks like. And I think that like what an amazing example you've created, which you probably didn't have, maybe you have more examples of this around you now that you've been in this for a while and had a family that looks like this for a while. But I'm imagining initially you weren't able to say to your daughter, like, and look now our family with my gay ex-husband and my current husband, and we're all (laughs) co-parenting as well as we can. It looks just like the Joneses down the street. Cause my guess is it probably didn't. And so you're creating yeah. this sense of normalcy. That's definitely wide, a wider view than what we typically think of family looking like. 
This episode is supported by AquaTrue. Having clean, safe water is the last thing you want to worry about. But unfortunately, according to extensive research by the Environmental Working Group, three out of four, yes, three out of four homes in America have harmful contaminants in their tap water. So that's why you got to check out AquaTrue. AquaTrue purifiers have a four-stage reverse osmosis purification process. And their countertop purifiers, which is what we have, take no installation or plumbing. And they remove 15 times more contaminants than ordinary pitcher filters and they're specifically designed to combat chemicals like PFAS, which can lead to potentially adverse health effects like cancer, endocrine system disruption, and liver toxicity, which is part of what makes AquaTrue so special, unique, and important in terms of how they are able to filter water. They also have water purifiers to fit every type of home. So like the installation-free countertop purifier that we have at our house to higher capacity under sink options. They even have Wi-Fi connected purifiers and mineral boost options. So I'm so excited about our new AquaTrue. And here's the thing. I swear it's like a gentle reminder to actually drink more water every time you walk into your kitchen. So we are drinking more water now and also more clean water. So more water that is more clean. It feels like a double win. I'm feeling pretty impressed with us. I feel like sink water, tap water becomes invisible at a certain point. And when I see the purifier on my counter, it's like many time a day reminder to like, keep drinking, keep drinking. So I want you to check out AquaTrue for yourself and for your family. AquaTrue comes with a 30-day money-back guarantee and that makes it a great gift as well. Today, my listeners can receive 20% off any AquaTrue purifier when you go to AquaTrue.com. That's A-Q-U-A-T-R-U.com and enter the code SHAMELESS at checkout. That's 20% off any AquaTrue purifier when you go to AquaTrue.com and use the code SHAMELESS, S-H-A-M-E-L-E-S-S, AquaTrue.com code SHAMELESS. This episode is supported by Active Skin Repair. Active Skin Repair is a skin health company helping people heal with natural, non-toxic, medical-grade ingredients. I just randomly... Vinny was having a toe skin irritation issue and he ended up having this like skin that was really irritating him and it was getting kind of like icky and you know like when kids start to get like little scabs and scratches and then they want to pick at it and it was getting worse and so active skin repair showed up on my doorstep (laughs) as a result of the sponsorship and I got to put it to use immediately and I got the ointment formula or the like ointment formulation and then also the spray and the spray was perfect so Vinny does not like ointmenty creamy lotiony things on his body but I was able to get out the spray literally took it out of the packaging the day it arrived put it on his toe before he went to bed and the next morning he was like mom my toe's all better. It was literally like this super amazing cure that helped his toes so quickly. So you can use active skin repair on a wide range of skin issues, including cuts, scrapes, burns, sunburns, rashes, other types of skin damage. It's totally safe, non-toxic, suitable on all types of skin, even parts of the body where you might have rosacea or eczema or have acne prone skin. This is also safe for the youngest members of your family up to the oldest. So now you have one simple solution for your family's skin health needs. With over 500 thousand happy customers and thousands of five-star reviews and super safe and clean ingredients, active skin repair is something that you want to have on hand for your family. So to get your own active skin repair, go to activeskinrepair.com to learn more about active skin repair and get 20% off your order when you use the code shameless. That's activeskinrepair.com. Use the code shameless for 20% off your order. Activeskinrepair.com, code shameless. Yeah. And it's interesting because I see a few examples that are similar to what we have created, but it's not like my daughter sees that on a regular basis. She doesn't even see, you know, 
co-parents on a regular basis that have yeah. a healthy relationship. She has friends at school that talk about, well, I don't know if I'm going to get to ever see my dad again. Mm. My mom and dad are fighting like, and it's just, I think for her, it opens her up to see that, oh my gosh, I have a good thing. Even though sometimes it is hard, it's better this way than the alternative that we do get to talk and we do get to spend time together. She still gets that family aspect of it. So yeah, I mean, for her, she doesn't see that. And it's something that we've even like, I don't know that she has very many friends that have a queer parent. I know she has one, but also just making that more of a normal thing that totally. this is okay. And this is what this looks like. And she very well may have three dads at one point and we embrace that the more yeah. people to love her, the better. So absolutely. We haven't touched on the fact yet that you come from a Mormon background, correct? Yes. <laughs> and are you currently practicing? I don't remember this part. I'm stealing from your interview with Laura. So I'll You're make good. sure to link that in the show. You're notes. good. <laughs> because I want everyone to hear that as well. Cause you all, you had just an incredible conversation, but that was another thing that was really striking to me. So can you just touch on that piece? Because I don't think that people typically imagine a Mormon family looking anything like yours. <laughs> like there's so it's many things very that are not, not what we think. Yes. No, it's definitely not the typical Mormon family. And I mean, even in, I feel like in conservative Christian religions in general, getting divorced still has a stigma to it where we feel like we failed in some way. And, mm. and in culture, we feel like we fail getting divorced. But yeah, so I mean, I definitely, our family definitely does not fit the typical Mormon mold. And it's always funny to me, like sitting in church and people think, I mean, if they don't know us, they think that this is just like our bio family. And then they start talking to us and they're like, oh my gosh, what is going on here? And that's one of the things I honestly love about being vocal about my story is Mm -hmm. people understanding that it's okay to have a life that looks different than what we thought it would look like. That this is still a beautiful thing and a beautiful opportunity to learn to love people in a different way, to truly love them and accept them for however they want to live their life, which when it comes down to it, if we truly believe as we say we believe, we are here to love others. And so that's one of the things I think is has always been my gift in life and is specifically in the church is opening up minds and hearts to think and feel differently than we may have been taught, to see that there is another way, to see that we can still be Christians, we can still be Christ-like and live differently than this little mold that we think we should fit into. Absolutely. It's so important to have those examples. Like that's how we make communities more inclusive is by letting people know what different actually looks like and how different actually can be really similar Like where you're like this picture looks different, but like the values are the same. And we are Ah, still practicing like kindness and compassion and empathy and inclusivity and like all these things. And it's so important to see that. I actually have another friend and podcasting colleague who is a black woman who's part of the Mormon church and hearing her talk about it. She's like, I feel like I have to be there for people. Not that she feels like she has to be there, but she does feel a commitment to being there because she's like white Mormon people need to know what it looks like for a black person to be in their community. Like, yes. And there's a lot that comes with that. And I would imagine the same Mm -hmm. thing for you, that there's a lot that comes with that, but 
that you want people to see that it's not just about this one view and not just about looking a certain way or being fitting a certain mold. For sure. And I think, and like you said, she doesn't have to do that, but she feels called to do that. And I very much feel called to do that. There are people that I know that I'm like, get out. If this is not for you, if it is not a safe space for you, then I don't feel people should stay. But I always, but for me, I'm like, I can do this. I can be a voice for, you know, being different and living a life that's different and loving the LGBTQ community. And I get that opportunity and it's something Mm -hmm. I can do, but I also am very, (laughs) I understand that it's not for everybody. And I encourage them, listen, you need to show up in a way that is healing and good for you that protects your mental health and doesn't degrade that. 100%. And I appreciate that you bring up safety because absolutely like emotional, mental health, safety, feeling safe in a community, Mm -hmm. like not at all having to be this like token member who is there to teach other people at your own expense. Cause yes, like that piece is so significant and so important. Mm -hmm. So can you talk about when you were, I want to talk a little bit about intuition when you decided to stay in your marriage. And then as you decided to dissolve the marriage, can you talk about following your intuition? And were there times, especially early on, I'm really curious if you were following your intuition by staying or were you overriding it out of a sense of determination to make it work? And I asked that because I'm a like determined to make it work kind of a person. <laughs> like, like, I'm like, I'm going to get an A on this no matter what, even if the test doesn't matter. <laughs> and this has been pointed out to me where people are like, is this like the hill that you want to die on? Or do you just want to like, everyone to see you standing at the top of the hill. <laughs> so, so can you talk a little bit about where was your intuition around all this? Cause I'm so curious. And I feel like for me, it would be, that piece would be really confusing. Yeah. So it definitely wasn't my hill to die on. I'm not so much that way. I relate to that and have had to struggle to understand where's the difference here for me. Where yeah. is my intuition taking me or am I just, or do I need to let my ego go around this thing? Yeah. And for me in the moment when we decided to stay together, it was very much my intuition saying, you know what, this is what you want right now. This mm-hmm. is what you need. And nobody else may understand that. And that's okay this is where I wanted to be. And it wasn't that I was staying for Steve. It wasn't that I was staying because I had been raised that, you know, you don't divorce, like any of those things. It was purely that I wanted to be there. And it was stretching me in ways that I found beneficial. I was growing in understanding who I was and in being able to love other people and understanding other people. And I really embraced that. I loved it. And so I very much stayed because of my own intuition. And then when things were done, again, I followed my intuition of this is the time that this needs to be done. Drop whatever hopes you have of keeping it, of trying to keep this marriage intact and figure out where you need to go from here. When I think of like the hill, being on top of the hill, (laughs) I think the point that I got more there and realized I needed to come down off of the hill was when my husband and I got married, my second husband, when Matt and I got married. Yeah. So there was a time, the first like two to three years we were married probably. And I will say it was hell. (laughs) Mm. I understand why so many second marriages end in divorce. It was horrible. And I love my husband dearly. And we are so good together. But that being said, it it was hard. And I was trying to prove he had so much that came up 
dealing with his own issues from his last marriage that he wasn't expecting. And so I was trying to prove to him why I should stay, why he wanted to be married to me. And I got so caught up in that and proving to his kids, proving to myself, proving to his ex-wife that I deserved a spot in this family that I really lost who I was. And at some point I realized I needed to come down off of that hill mm-hmm. and reclaim who I was and start focusing on me and start focusing on the relationship with my daughter. Not that I hadn't been on that relationship with my daughter, but that it was okay to put her first. I didn't have to prove my love for my stepkids, for my husband by putting my daughter second, Mm -hmm. which I think is something that I did occasionally. And I didn't like it. I didn't like that feeling. And so when I came back to myself and really focused on I knew my own worth. I knew that I deserved a spot here and that I didn't have to prove that and started putting boundaries in place again, like more strict (laughs) enforced boundaries to protect my health and my daughter's mental health and all of those things. Then my husband realized that he was okay, that he didn't have to provide my happiness, that he wasn't responsible for it and realized that we could actually make it and see it through. And then he started getting into a better space mentally too. So I think that was my point. Like that was my time of realizing that even if this failed, I don't care. Like that doesn't define who I am. Even if the second marriage didn't work, Mm -hmm. it was okay. It was going to be okay. And I knew that. And at that point I remembered that it was okay to focus on me. It gave me that space to show up for myself. So important. This episode is supported by my very own Hope, Happiness, and Mental Health Challenge. I want you to join me for this upcoming free challenge, which kicks off next week. If you're listening in live time, we kick off on Monday, September 20th for five days of support. Totally free to you. So I want to remind you something. Back in March of 2020, we had no idea how this pandemic was going to play out. And we had lots and lots of fears. And I want you to think about what that felt like, because when we were in that moment, I launched this Hope, Happiness, and Mental Health Challenge at that time, and hundreds of you showed up from all over the world, and we did this challenge together, and it was such a moment for us to push pause and really get grounded and connect to what we couldn't control when we felt like we couldn't control anything. And now here we are 18 months later, after months and months of uncertainty and losses, loss of loved ones and loss of job security and loss of opportunities and fractured relationships and fractured sense of self, it has been a lot. So I wanted to bring back my Hope, Happiness and Mental Health Challenge to give you a place to get more grounded, find some comfort and find some connection even though things continue to be really hard. So over the course of the five days, we're gonna go through a whole curriculum which will allow you to create hope and happiness for yourself and also really tap into some strategies that will, I hope, ease your mental health. So on day one, we're gonna talk about how fear doesn't get to drive. Day two, we'll talk about how to rebuild your relationship with control. 
Day three, we will talk about how to keep returning to who you are. On day four, we're going to talk about how to feel your feelings, but keep moving through emotion. And day five, we're going to talk about specific steps that you can take, simple steps to restore hope every damn day. So over the course of this five-day challenge, you're going to get daily emails from me. You're going to get daily Facebook lives with me. You'll have the opportunity to connect with me via live coaching on Facebook and also via Q&A on Facebook live. And it's going to be a great opportunity for us to just be together as a community and find that hope that we so desperately need right now. So you can sign up for everything completely free if you go to shamelessmom.com slash challenge. That's shamelessmom.com slash challenge and sign up for the five-day challenge. You'll get all the resources, all the daily emails, all the videos delivered right to your inbox, right in our private Facebook group. Everything's totally free. And I want you to be a part of this because here's the thing. Right now, things are hard. And the other truth is that you are strong. And the other truth is that we are stronger when we sit in community together. And so I'm inviting you in to be a part of this community in a really special way, starting the 20th of September through the 24th. So just go to shamelessmom.com slash challenge to get signed up for free. I want to talk about, so you talked about everything, you you talked about learning a lot about yourself in the process of staying but I'm imagining, I mean, I'm hearing that you learned a lot about yourself in the process of leaving and in the process of starting all over again. So yeah. can you just talk about like this massive growth curve? I think <laughs> like, what have you learned about yourself during, I know, can you give us a time span? Like, where are you at? Cause we haven't really navigated, like how old yeah. your daughter is now, how long you were married, how yeah. old is your daughter? And then how long have you been in your second marriage? So I have been married now for eight years. So we've passed up both of our first marriages, which feels like an accomplishment. My daughter is now 11. She was two when we got divorced. So I got married pretty quick afterwards. It was just before two years after our divorce. So yeah, there was like two years in between the first marriage and the second marriage. And then it's been eight years of remarriage. And that's the thing too, is I'm, I tell people, I'm like, it was a rough, two to three years into our marriage before it started feeling like the marriage I thought I was getting into. Can I say something about that? Yeah. I think it's really important to acknowledge that, and Michelle Obama talks about this in her book in Becoming, to acknowledge that it's not like sometimes bumps in the road aren't like a bad day or a bad week or a bad month. Sometimes it is a bad, like I think she said in the book, like sometimes it's a bad seven years. Yeah. (laughs) Like a lot of us after, you know, a couple of rough months, we're like, oh gosh, maybe this isn't the right thing. Like, and this isn't yeah. to say that people should stick it out indefinitely at all, no. but just like, no. I think there's comfort in knowing that again, when we look at like what different relationships and marriages look like and what different families look like, I think there's comfort in knowing that sometimes these rough spots are really long time. <laughs> yeah. And not to say that you don't find moments of joy and peace and clarity right. within those. If you aren't finding those, then it's probably time to leave, but right. If you are still finding, like for me, that's what kept me there is I still had these moments of clarity of knowing, oh yeah, this is why we're together Mm -hmm. and feeling Matt's love and support for me. It was enough to get me through to when it's been more consistent. And that being said, like there are still things that of course are issues and that we're working on and moving forward on, but there's growth. And when the growth is there, that's what keeps me moving forward and staying in a relationship. If that growth isn't there, then it's, for me, that's like a sign to, okay, then this is probably run its course and I need to leave. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. I'm going to let you go back now to where I cut you off. So just talking about this growth curve that you've had these over, you know, so many transitions. 
Yeah. I mean, what I've learned from that, first of all, I think that was something you asked is that I'm strong and that I know what I need. And I firmly believe that we all do that. We, when we listen to ourselves, we really know what it is we need, that there is that intuition inside of us that we can hear. And I believe the more you listen to that and try to act on that, the more you hear it, the more clarity you get when you're going through the hard things or through the happy things, the more you understand why this brings you joy, why this makes you happy. One of the things that I teach when I work with women is that this idea of getting to know yourself again, like we have to get to know ourselves again on a consistent basis. And I, I always say like, look at this last year and a half of where we've been through the pandemic and everything. Like we've had to get to know ourselves again and how to make life work, how to find joy in this, you know, quarantine and how to find mm-hmm. joy and how to find peace for ourselves and how to take the space we need when we aren't leaving our homes and all of these things. And so I think this is an ongoing process. I think we often think what used to bring us joy and what used to work. And instead of focusing now on what works now and what you can get now in this situation. And a lot of that comes from knowing your values, what you really value at the core of that. And that's something that I've come to learn is I value love. I value loving people and helping them feel seen. It's not just love. It's I value helping other people see the good in themselves and all of those things. So there's more to it. I always say that, and I think Brene Brown talks about this too, that your values aren't just one word. Often we say, well, I value mm-hmm. health and I value my family mm-hmm. and I value these things. But what does that really look like? Like putting a sentence behind that. And so I have mm-hmm. discovered in this process what my values really are and how I need to show up for myself and the people I love within those values. And to honor that I make mistakes all along the way. And when I own that and say, hey, this was a screw up, whether I'm saying I messed up to myself or to somebody else, I get to then move forward because I owned it. Mm-hmm. and. Now I can say, Hey, I messed up. I want to do better. Yeah. Oh my gosh. I think there's so much value in (laughs) so redundant. There's so much value in knowing your values. I think what we overlook when we get married and maybe not everyone, maybe some people are more evolved than me, but I don't know. I think we're like, this just seems good. Like it's great. It's fun. And I could see doing this for longer. And, but I don't know that a lot of people are like, what are my core values and what are his core values and what are our family core values? I think that actually comes more over this like evolution of time and also going through the bumps to recognize like, Oh my gosh, we hit this bump and like, we're handling it differently. And maybe we're really mad at each other about it. And then we have to like, then look at, well, what is it that we value out of this? And are we going to work through it, et cetera, et cetera. And I think that it's so important over time that those values are defined, but it takes, I think those rocky moments to get to that place of discovering the values and then solidifying the values and defining them and all of that. This episode is supported by a podcast I want to share with you called Understood Explains. So this show is about navigating ADHD, dyslexia, and other learning and thinking differences, which can be so confusing. And so every uh, season of the show is 
around a different theme. So there's a season on special education, there's a season on ADHD diagnosis for adults, and the current season is all about IEPs. I love this podcast because the episodes are 10 to 15 minutes long. So if you are short on time or short on focus, you can take this content in super quickly, easily. It's very digestible. And the show is hosted by teacher and special education expert, Juliana Utube. So Juliana talks all about how to navigate educational plans, IEPs. She talks about the differences between IEPs and 504 plans. She really breaks things down in a really clear and simple way so that you have some of those questions that you might be thinking around, like, does this pertain to my child? Is this something I need to be looking into? Like, where do we go from here? Where do I go if I have questions? Juliana has you covered. She explains so many different things and so many different little pieces and nuance of IEPs and special education and different things on Understood Explains. So I want you to go check it out wherever you're listening to this podcast. You can go listen to Understood Explains. Just go into your podcast app, do a search for Understood Explains, and it will pop right up. Click on it, pick your episode, and get the answers that you've been looking for and the support that you need around different learning differences and differences in school. Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the, must not take yourself too seriously, and 6-1 since that matters, and what do I even say other than, hey? <sighs> well, that's why they're introducing an all-new Bumble. With exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. I want to bring this back to something, or bring this into something. So I actually, a couple of years ago on the podcast, one, I put out a call to people who wanted to talk about infidelity. Yeah. <laughs> funny, like people did not come lining up. (laughs) (laughs) I'll talk about it. (laughs) And I had some people who like wanted to talk about it anonymously and, but it was like going to be really tricky. And so it kind of just never happened, which is completely fine and understandable. I'm like no judgment on anyone who does not want to come and talk about this, but you actually, when we were putting together content for this interview, you brought infidelity into the conversation, which I think is really important. And when you just were sharing about values, I think that there's a lot to be said around what can come from a relationship that includes infidelity if you're tied to your values. And some people might think that doesn't make any sense at all because it sounds like, why would you have values around infidelity? That should be like a deal breaker and what have you. But I don't think that's always the case. So can you talk about, so there was infidelity. I believe it was near the end of your marriage. Talk about infidelity and how you are now friends, friendly and co-parenting with someone who, you know, I'm imagining really broke your trust. Yeah. So (laughs) it's interesting because people always try to minimize how the infidelity must have affected me because Steve was sleeping with a man and not Mm. with a woman. And I get that. I understand. And also I knew he was gay. It wasn't like he was hiding from me that he was gay, Mm. but I imagine I've never been cheated on. Like my current husband has never been unfaithful to me that I know of. And so the infidelity is still painful. I don't, the pain is still real. And it is, I understand why it is so hard to trust somebody again after that. But, and again, it's not for everybody to have the relationship that Steve and I have at this point after infidelity, like, or after the trust has been broken or after you get a divorce, like I know it's not for everybody. I see that because we have that on the other side of our relationship Mm -hmm. in our co-parenting, like Matt's ex and us, like we have a very different relationship than what we have with Steve. And that Mm is okay. That's just Mm -hmm. the reality of how it needs to be for the different dynamics. Mm -hmm. 
But in regaining that trust, I think that one of the things that was so important for Steve and I is just to embrace how our relationship looked after that and building trust in new ways. So some of the things we did were we were very respectful of the other person's time, of the other person's decisions, like time with our daughter, whether you had the daughter or not. I mean, I feel like I embrace the time that I have my daughter now just as much as I embrace the time that she's not here. I'm going to take advantage of both opportunities because it helps all of us. And so laying out those levels of respect afterwards, if you Mm -hmm. can, and setting that up in a way that feels safe to you, like you can have some very strict boundaries in the beginning that maybe you can start letting down after you're seeing that they are being respected. Now, if they aren't being respected, I, that's a totally different story of rebuilding that trust and that confidence. And I think even if you decide to stay married after infidelity, Mm -hmm. then, you know, you have to have those boundaries in place and what works and what doesn't and what you are comfortable talking about and what you're not comfortable talking about. And when those are respected after infidelity or trust is broken, that's how you rebuild that trust. That's how you can get to a place where you can have a healthy relationship again and make things work. There's those shared values, like the shared values of respect and the shared values around boundaries and all that. And I think that's where all of a sudden you're like, oh, we need some common values here. If like, yeah, if we can be all on the same page. Yeah. And even if that common value is just that you want what's best for your child and which is across the board, what most people want. So if you can grasp onto that value and understand like as the starting point of how this looks and show trust in the other person that you see that they value that as well, it goes a long ways. And people always ask us, one of the questions we get the most often is, okay, so how soon is it okay for them to introduce somebody to my daughter, to my kid? And, you know, I feel like I am entitled to meet that person before and all of these things. And I like, yes, in a perfect world, there would be a set time and you would meet that person before and you could develop a relationship with them. But also I am showing trust in my ex by, you know, letting them know that I trust them in that area, which is so hard. Mm. It's so hard. Yeah, but like Steve yeah. just started dating someone and he took Penny on a trip with him before I met him. And oh, that's hard. Just, it is. Like but my mama me, belly is like, oh, it's yeah. like clenching. And at this point I this, though, though, I was like, like, you know what though? I totally trust Steve. If he feels that comfortable with this person, I'm going to trust him because I know his first priority is my daughter's safety and all of those things. And I did, I mean, I met the guy when they picked up Penny to leave on this road trip (laughs) in my driveway. Steve's like, do you want to come meet him? I'm like, yeah, I would love to say hi to him and at least put a face with the name. And, but that's taken time to get there. I mean, we are eight years, uh, nine years into the divorce Mm -hmm. of understanding that I really do trust Steve that much. And in the beginning, he did make sure that I met people that we went to dinner before he introduced Penny to anybody. But for me at this point, the level of trust is there that I can say, you know what, it doesn't really matter. As long as Steve feels confident in the fact that he is keeping my daughter safe, I am going to trust that. And he showed me that by bringing up 
he'll come up to me and he'll say, listen, this happened. I put Penny in this situation. I realized afterwards it was really stupid and I didn't feel good with it. I wanted you to hear it from me before in case Penny says anything. And there've been moments like that, but that's why I trust him is because he owned those moments and vice versa. I have done that where I've been like, I did this and it was really stupid. (laughs) I don't feel good about it. And it's something I'm working to improve. So taking that ownership And then showing that trust really goes a long ways. But I understand, you know, when those boundaries aren't respected, when things aren't trusted, it's hard to navigate. And again, we have that on the other side where we have had to put up very intense boundaries because the relationship is so high conflict and there is very little respect for those boundaries. And so we have to keep the strict boundaries in place and for there to be any trust given. Mm -hmm. And so the kids know what to expect so that they know what's going to happen. And I want to make it clear, whenever I talk about putting boundaries in place, boundaries are what make relationships good and healthy. They aren't for just high conflict, hard relationships. I have boundaries with my husband. It's not just defensive armor. Yes. And I think that we get so confused in that, that when we hear the the word boundaries, we think, oh, we got (laughs) to... This is to keep somebody away when really it's to bring somebody in to have a healthy relationship with them. You need the boundaries. When the boundaries are there, you get to have the healthiest relationship you can with that person. I have boundaries with myself. I always say like I have boundaries with everybody in my life, with my daughter, with my husband. They're so important. I so appreciate that distinction. I love that because I absolutely, yes, like we think of like defensive armor and putting up a wall and you don't get to come in. And yeah, I love that. I think that's really important that bring healthy boundaries that bring people in where that's safe and appropriate because often it totally is. And so it's not just about keeping people out. Absolutely. Can you talk about how you listen to yourself when things are not going as planned and, you know, the course you are chartering or that is being chartered with or without you planning it is going in a different direction? Yeah. So one of the things that I have found that came to me after we started the podcast, actually, I went back and was reading my journals to kind of pull content and to remind myself of where I was at at different points in our relationship is I ask myself questions a lot. And I say, I ask myself powerful questions a lot when I, so that I know what it is that I want. And so that I'm really listening to myself. I'm a big journaler. That being said, it's not like I write a ton every day, but I do try to write something, even if it's a sentence every day or a line of just kind of where I'm at and how I'm feeling. But I realized in reading my journals, I ask myself, you know, Jessica, do you know, do I know who I am is one of the things I come back to. Do I know who I am and what I stand for? So like, if I'm feeling uncertainty around a situation or if somebody's attacking me for a decision that I made that felt right to me, I always go back to that. Do I know who I am? And am I trusting the intuition that I had? the clarity that I had to make this decision. Am I feeling uncomfortable in this situation because it doesn't resonate with me or because I know I'm doing something that's wrong or doing something Mm -hmm. that doesn't align with my values? Is that why I'm Mm -hmm. uncomfortable in the situation or with whatever's going on? I have like a whole list of, in fact, I have a journal that lays them out if people, you know, for people who want to start doing that so that you can we figure that out people there in the show notes. Yeah. I'll put a, we will point people there. We'll I'll ask you for that oh, specifically awesome. in just a minute. Cause yes. Oh my gosh. That's amazing. And I'm like, I feel like the journal is such a great spot to start. It's also yeah. based in, you know, looking at what am I grateful for today? What was actually good? 
Yeah. What brought me happiness and joy? Because we need to, I think sometimes we get so focused on what isn't working or what is bringing us down that we forget to also include what's bringing us joy so that we know mm-hmm. how to create more of it. I have a physical response to when I like when my boundaries are very Mm -hmm. crossed. Like Mm -hmm. if there's something that has gone wrong, I start shaking. Mm -hmm. I can feel my heart rate go up. And I know that I put myself in a situation or somebody, I was put in a situation that didn't serve me. And I need to understand how to avoid that again. And there are, I mean, I know there are a couple people in my life. There are two people (laughs) in my life that I know bring that out. Mm -hmm. And so if I do have to engage with them, I prep myself for it. I will, you know, give myself a pep talk of, you know what, you can do this. These are the boundaries around this. You don't have to engage in a conversation. You don't want to, if the conversation heads direction, you're not comfortable with, you're allowed to walk away. You don't have to defend yourself. All of these things that I have put in place because I really try to listen to what my body and is telling me and what my heart is telling me. But one of the most powerful ways for me to be in tune with that is going back to those questions of taking the time to process why I felt the way I did. Why did this make me feel this way? And is it because of something I did or something I need to fix? Or was it because of somebody else? And if it was because of somebody else, how do I put up boundaries to protect that? And all of those things. Absolutely. I think those questions are really fantastic. I also really appreciate what you said about the way that you notice the physical response you have in certain situations or with certain people. And I think that those are the kinds of things I think women are so culturally conditioned to override those warnings. Like those are little warnings that our body (laughs) is giving us. Your body is giving you a warning when like, and you immediately feel like your stomach tighten up or you immediately get like goosebumps or like a throbbing headache when you are in conversation with a specific person. Like when your body gives you those signals, we've been conditioned since the time we were teeny tiny to just override that, like go hug creepy uncle Bob. It's fine. So now you're like, as a 40 year old woman, you're like, okay, but like, I guess I'll just ignore this because I've been taught to override like things that are weird and creepy and inappropriate and like disrespectful of my boundaries. My whole life. Yeah. Yes, exactly. Exactly. Just be nice. And so I think listening to that and paying attention to that is so significant. I recently had a situation where you said you have two people in your life. It's funny. I have two and I've gotten rid of both of them in the last year. <laughs> and you go girl. One of them was a temporary thing, but one of yeah. them was a family member, not so temporary. And it's funny. A couple people were like, well, isn't, wasn't that hard or like, do you think you'll turn back or do you think you'll change your mind or whatever? And I was like, Oh my God. No. Like it was like for the first time I actually honored all the things I had been feeling and overriding yes. for years. Yes. And I was like, this is the most freeing decision I've ever made. <laughs> yeah. People were like all sad for me, like on my behalf. I was like, no, like let's celebrate. Yes. Um, we do get so hung up on that. Well, it's going to be hard to do that. Or I'm going to hurt somebody's feelings mm-hmm. when I do this. And I'm like, you can set a boundary in the nicest way possible or protect yourself in the nicest way possible. And somebody is still going to twist yeah. that to make it your fault, oh, to make sure. it your issue. And that's <laughs> why you need the boundary. Like that's yes. why you have to protect yourself. Yes. And, but once you get through that, once you get through setting those boundaries and you don't even have to tell them you're setting them, like you don't have to engage oh. with this person or whatever. Right. Once you get through that to the other side, it is the most freeing and calming and peaceful thing you can do. And yes. it is amazing. 
Yes. Yes. I have to say, so you just like exactly explained the path that I was on. So I had some boundaries and like what I thought was a really nice way that was not well received a number of years ago with one of these people. And in, so in my mind, I was like, you know, I did it the nice way and I'll keep the door open. And I definitely was like, here's the boundaries that I need, but my door's always open and XO, XO, love Sarah. Yeah, yeah. Yes. And when I most recently decided like, we're done, I was like, there's no conversation. There's no notification. Yep. You yep. just no longer have any access to contact me. Like there's no way that you can contact with me. And I'm not telling you that it's, this is so to yeah. your point around, like there doesn't have to be notification. There doesn't have to be a no. conversation. There doesn't have to be permission. It's just like line in the sand. I'm done. And I'm not open to conversation. The door is now completely closed finally. <laughs> and yeah, yeah, like you get to choose and it doesn't have to be like, well, let's go to therapy and talk it out or see how no. we can do it better. Or no, it can nope. just be like, I'm done. <laughs> This is done. Yeah. With one of the people I haven't blocked their number because I do actually need their number in case there's an emergency. Mm -hmm. I will get texts or emails from this person once or twice a year Mm -hmm. that are vicious. I mean, just ripping me to shreds. And what I've done, I think most of us feel like, well, we need to defend ourselves or engage or something. And all I do is I tell Matt, because I do need to like it's okay to vent. It's okay Mm -hmm. to feel hurt. It's okay to feel the things that come with that. I tell him, I let him read it. And then I go in and delete it. I delete the text out of my text because I don't want to go back to that. I don't need to carry that energy. I don't need to respond. I don't need to engage. I don't need to defend myself. I move on and I'm done. And there was no conversation of that with this person of, Hey, I'm not going to respond to you. I'm not, you know, yeah, there's nothing about that. It's just, this is what I do. And they have, I mean, it used to be more frequent and it's getting less and less frequent. Thank mm-hmm. heavens because they're getting the point. Mm-hmm. They're not going to get anything from me. Yeah. They're not going to, they don't have any power over me anymore. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Oh my goodness. Oh, Jessica, this is so fun. <laughs> I, could talk, <laughs> I could go on and on about a lot of things we've talked about, but I'm going to respect oh, yeah. your time. So I want you to tell us how you're currently showing up as a shameless mom. So one of the things I kind of touched on before is that I have realized that I can show up for my daughter first and that I am not going to carry any guilt around that, that, you know, my daughter can walk home from school, but I love picking her up from school because I love talking with her. And that's something that I gave up for quite a while because I needed to go pick up my stepkids. And then I realized, you know what? They have two kids or two parents that Mm -hmm. can be there for them. And I don't have to give up my relationship with my daughter or my time with her to show up for somebody else. And I think some people will judge me for that. I don't care. I'm doing what I need for my daughter. The other thing I think of is I have acknowledged and accepted that, and this is how I'm a shameless stepmom, that (laughs) it's okay. I don't to not love my stepkids the same as I love my daughter. I love them to pieces about that. That's so I want what's best for them. I am Mm -hmm. here for them in the ways I can be, but it does not mean that I love them the same or that I have to show up for them the same way I do for my daughter. In fact, it's healthier for them and their relationship with their mom and their relationship with their dad and their relationship with me when I don't. And that was something that took a long time to come to terms with, but There are things that I do now or things that I don't do now, I should say, that I used to do that allow me to have a better relationship with them that, again, people will judge me for. And until they know the reasons behind them, they think that I, you know, I'm just being a jerk or Mm -hmm. whatever, but really it's what's best for us. And those are 
a couple of the ways I'm showing up as a shameless mom that have taken time, but I'm so glad I'm here. (laughs) Yeah. Wow. I really appreciate that distinction around the way you show up for your children or for your child versus your stepchildren, because I think that not a lot of people would say that out loud, but I bet it really, really resonates for our people listening who are in a situation with children and stepchildren and having to navigate different relationships. So I just really appreciate that. Okay. I want you to tell people where they can find you, connect with you, get resources that you want to share all that good stuff. Yeah. So you can find us on any podcasting platform under husband-in-law and then also on Instagram. That is where I am the most active. And again, it's husband-in-law. We are there. And then you can find all of our resources, everything we have to offer there. Yeah. I think those are the two best places to find us. And you mentioned the journal. Is that, yeah. where can people find that? So the link is in our bio on Instagram. Or okay. I can't think of that. I'm trying to think of the actual... <laughs> website where it's at right now. And I can't, I'll look it up um, or you can send it to me. I'll send it to you for sure. Yeah, if you email it to me, then I'll put it in show notes. So people go yeah. to shamelessmom.com, click on the episode with Jessica Frew, or you can just Google shamelessmom.com, yeah. Jessica Frew, F-R-E-W, that episode will pop up and everything that was mentioned, the podcast will be linked. Instagram will be linked to a link. The journal will get all the good stuff in there. Oh my goodness, Jessica, this has been so fantastic. I know that you have expanded people's vision of what family can look like and the potential in terms of family looking different ways and families evolving in different ways. And I really, really appreciate all the ways that you shared that and shared with such transparency and authenticity. I think it's, this has been a really important conversation and I'm just really, really grateful to have you here. Thank you so much for having me. I'm so grateful for the opportunity. Mamas, before I let you go, quick reminder, if you didn't already hit pause and do it, do it now. If you want to join me for my five-day Hope, Happiness, and Mental Health Challenge that starts next week, Monday, September 20th, go over to shamelessmom.com slash challenge to get signed up for free today. That's shamelessmom.com slash challenge. Thank you so much for joining me in the Shameless Mom Academy today. I really, really appreciate you being here and I hope you learned something new. As always, this conversation will be continued over in our free private Facebook group. You can join that group by going to shamelessmom.com forward slash Facebook to connect with other shameless moms just like you. Additionally, if this is your first time listening to the show, know that we are here every Monday and Wednesday with a brand new episode. So make sure you subscribe, go to whatever podcast app you use and subscribe to the show so you never miss an episode. You can do that directly if you go to shamelessmom.com forward slash review. That will put you in Apple Podcasts where you can click on the subscribe button and you can also leave a review. If you scroll down a little bit, you can leave a five-star review. You can write a few sentences letting me know what you thought about the show. If you let me know how the show has impacted you in becoming a more shameless mom, you might be nominated to be shameless mom of the week. Also, please share this episode. My goal is to help more mamas be more shameless every damn day. So please do share this episode. You can take a screenshot of the episode on your phone and then share it out on social media. Tag me at the Shameless Mom Academy on Facebook or Instagram. I'm quick to reply and eager to send you Facebook love and love to be connected to all of you. So again, thank you for being here. I can't wait to be back here again with you in just a couple days. And until then, no matter what you do today, make sure you do it shamelessly. Well, hey there, busy mama. 
Are you looking for ways to make your life easier, your home less chaotic, and at the same time, add more joy to your life? My name is Deanna Yates, and I'm the host of Wanna Be Clutter Free, a podcast all about letting go of the stuff we don't need in our lives so that we can focus on what truly matters. Don't worry, I'm not going to tell you to throw it all away or make you feel guilty about keeping something you love, no matter how many other people don't quite understand it. But I will give you practical and more importantly, actionable advice so that you can make progress right away. And you won't just hear it from me. There are amazing guests too. It's like having your bestie in your pocket, telling you it's okay to let go of the things that are not serving you and your family in a totally non-judgmental way. So join me over on the podcast where we can work on progress over perfection for those of us that want to be clutter-free.